Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Mark. I'm Matt Henry. I'm Matt Miller. And I'm Lena. All right, guys. So we missed a week. We and did. can you guys explain yourselves? <laughs> explain ourselves. <laughs> well, I guess I, I was part of it too. Well, I actually, no, I was here. I feel like we're but in you trouble. guys, <laughs> you guys were somewhere else. Explain yourselves. Yeah, uh, we were MIA. Uh, land. We were in. Uh, we were in San Diego. Oh, you got doing God's work. We were in Carlsbad. Carlsbad, my dad. Yeah. Well, Carlsbad would care. No. Is it? I mean, is it nice? They would care. It is. Yeah. It is. Okay. It's it's your classic Southern California beach town. Okay. No, that's yeah. good. I like that. We were what five blocks from the beach. Yeah. Yep. We body surfed. Yeah, but not there. Oh, yeah, gosh. we went up. We went up north for that. Anyhow, we were. <laughs> We were sent out by uh, the Southern Baptists to be trained, to become trainers in church planting. And so it was a three-day journey of just learning the process of how to equip church planters and work them through. I think it's a six-month process that will actually work with church planters. Uh, yeah, they in crammed dur- it in like two days. Yeah, but they jammed it. Very intensive. It was good. Yeah. It was, it, it was a lot of fun. Very impressed. Very, very, very much impressed with the, the guys. Uh, yeah. All of them are hardcore church planters themselves, mm-hmm. but they knew what they were doing. They they modeled for us exactly what they expected of us. And so um, we walked away impressed. Yeah. Nice. And then um, then we spent a couple of days in L.A. Yeah. We went to uh, hang out with old Johnny Mac. Except Johnny Mac was <laughs> down in San Diego. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So we settled for uh, the uh, Paul Washer. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, so, we uh, were thinking about though. naming a child after Paul Washer. Really? Are you serious? So you fan, yes. fan I was. Lis- I listened to his, what was it? Will you call him two, Paul or his, Washer? His two-hour sermon on... Paul Washer. Oh, my Mueller. gosh. It was an amazing huh? sermon. I mean... The one where he chewed out all the youth? No, that's the that's the shocking youth message. That's not that I one. Love... He had this he had this like two hour message on I oh, forget yeah. what it was, but it was, I mean it's <laughs> grainy and old and Horrible he's crying thing. the entire time, but it's amazing. It's yeah, he didn't it. cry this time. No, oh, darn. okay, oh, it's fantastic. No. Yeah. But it was good. Yeah. It was good for me. I mean, that's my old church, so yeah. it was nice. I I got to see it because well, I've been hearing stories for fifteen years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so now I put some flesh on some of those stories. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was fun to just go back and see what's changed, and yet actually so little has changed. Mm. Just it's it's one of the qualities of that church how stable it is. So um, an encouragement, I think, even to just keep pressing on doing what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and massive. It's like a little city. See, yeah. I, 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 to me, it's very comfortable. Did you get to see his office? No, we could, I couldn't figure out how to get in there. It's Rufus turned showed into us your a, office. No. Showed us a cupboard, a broom cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tried to actually go find my old office, but they converted yeah. everything into oh. like a restaurant. Yeah. Oh. Okay. If the listeners haven't noticed, we're outside right now. That's yeah. a plane. We're in a flight pattern yeah. between Chicago and Milwaukee. Well, that would be a typical office nowadays. Like corporate world, everything is just like literally yeah. your office Chill. is you have 
It's like a restaurant. Yeah, but I had the only soundproofed office other than John MacArthur. Oh, for sure. Yeah, HR. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. So fact, his, I, I had his, the only private office. Is his pulpit bulletproof? Oh, yes. Yeah. Steel yeah. plated, man. Yeah, it's actually it. plated. And our, you know, our pulpit is the exact same measurements. Yes, we're quite aware of that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people are after me. So... I realize we yeah, got invest yeah. in a bulletproof. For, we do uh, not have ours bulletproof. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, but, I'm I'm ninja like, so oh, yeah. you know, I'll go matrix on them and just <laughs> okay. dodge the bullets. That's all you got to do. It's it's just a state of mind. Plus we oh, got plus okay. we got mics in in the background, so <laughs> yeah, we're, oh, yeah. We're, we're covered. You got you we're got you good. got Cody, uh, blue collar, yeah. yeah, the best shooter in Wisconsin over here. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah. did he win? Yeah, something. His class, yeah, crazy. Excellent. Very proud of you, Cody. Yeah. So anyhow, we did that. We went down to a beach that Lydia, uh, as a little girl, would go to with mm. us. And we body surfed and um, ate a lot of very, very good food. Yeah. Man, that sushi sure. was melting your mouth. Ugh. Never had sushi like that. That was mm. good sushi. Yeah, it was. The oysters were horrid. But good sushi is like an oxymoron to me. Well, so mine was sashimi, really but it was so, uh, so... Fresh. Oh, sure. my gosh. Okay. So tender. I mean, it was melting your mouth. It was. It was crazy. Anyhow, so are you recovered? I was recovered the next day. Well, we're so used to. I mean, flying to the far parts of Africa to <laughs> and come back. trip over to San Diego. <laughs> this is like the complete opposite. Yeah. 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 So, but anyhow, oh that's why gosh. we were not able yeah. to uh, do one episode because um, we were busy doing something else. Yeah. So we're going to do a catch up today. All right. So last time we talked about, uh, well, we started the thing on the Trinity. Actually, we're supposed to also thank uh, the 1689 gang. Oh, that's right. Because oh, yeah. uh, for those of you listening, we, we had a very nice shout out uh, by the 1689 gang. You can find them on Facebook. They're a podcast and they reviewed us and gave us very high marks. And we really, really appreciated that. Uh, those are kind words. So yeah. anyhow, thanks. And I am oh, a, and we need to uh, clarify. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we do need to clarify. Matt and I are pastors, and Lena and Mark are the couple. They're yeah. they're our producers. Yeah, yes. but their husband and wife. She is not married to one of us. No. No. See, <laughs> she wants that. <laughs> do we ever really? Cl- do we ever really clarify? We never that? even we said ever who did we that. are. Yeah. We are yeah. people in this world, and yeah, you count. We have in our little. Imp- no, not everyone reads our info blurb on the uh, podcast site. That's yeah. right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So husband wife duo, she yeah. leads the worship on at my campus and he takes care of all the sound, video and everything else behind the scenes that are related to technology. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Indeed. Anyhow. Trinity. Trinity. Yeah. We're gonna <laughs> deal with that again. So we, Oh yeah, that's right. Because well, we also tried to do that and yeah. I fumbled the uh, script so badly that it made no sense. Yep. So we nixed it we and nixed it. recorded whatever the heck we did last time. Uh, problem of evil, which <laughs> I enjoyed doing. Oh, yeah. 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 So now we're going to come back, and I'm going to try to redeem myself with this script and see if it makes better sense. All right. So um, so we started, we're going to work through the doctrine of the Trinity here. Um, and last time we began by talking about the oneness of God. And so today we're going to jump into the plurality of God. And so you want to kick that off? Yeah, as soon as I find my notes. <laughs> already fumbling. I'm already fumbling. This is well done. All right, so... Uh, We talked about the Old and New Testament and how it emphasized, like you said, the oneness. But the Bible also deals with God in a plurality. And so 
we want to just talk about some of those passages. There's so many more that we could, but we, we just chose a few. Um, and we're going to start like we did last time in the Old Testament, then we'll jump into the New, and then we'll start to make some basic conclusions from there. So right away in Genesis 1.1, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word there is, for God is Elohim, a very common word for God. Um, but what's important about it is it's in the plural. Um, in fact, in the Shema in Deuteronomy 6.4, where it says the Lord your God, that word God there is Elohim. But in that passage, it, it affirms the oneness of God. The Lord your God is one. Um, a lot of people you'll hear all the time uh, to the point that people just assume it's correct, um, that this is means nothing because it's just that royal we, right? Um, where the king, uh, instead of uh, saying I, he uses the plural of majesty and that, so it's the we and it means nothing. The problem with that though is actually when you look at the data, there's no proof whatsoever of that idea. Um, never once is it used in any uh, Semitic literature ever. Um, in other words, it, it's a use that's very unique to the Old Testament. So uh, the Old Testament writer here, Moses, actually took a term and then used it in a unique way specific for the purposes of the Bible. So right away we have this first intimation of the plurality of God. Um, and then from there, we, we come into a couple of key passages right away in Genesis. Yeah, so in, in Genesis one twenty six, uh, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And so notice just the flow between the plural and, and the singular here. It says, Then God said, Let us, plural, make man in our image, singular image, um, according to our likeness. And the, and the verb also is yeah. singular. Yep. Um, and so there's this right away, this divine conference, if you will, within the Godhead. Um, we have the plural us with, as you said, you know, the singular verbs and also singular image. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it wasn't, it, we were talking about this Heiser. I was just going to say, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I mean, so he, Michael Heiser, he just, he came out with a book, didn't just come out with it, but he's, he's really big on um, the supernatural stuff. Um, that and overall pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he actually understands here when it's talking about the plurals here, uh, let us make man in our image. He actually takes that as um, he is speaking to these angels. Yeah, this divine council. This divine council. Oh. And, and so in some way, um, those, those angels then in that view would have to bear the image of God, which... Yeah. We can't agree with because only man bears the image of God. But right, no, the problem. Yeah, that's a big problem. Nowhere in the Scripture is there any intimation that anything other than mankind carries that image of God. Yeah. So, so it's clever. But uh, I mean, he's picking up on like things like I think Psalm eighty-two. Fably. But yeah, it's a little fable. Yeah, little. Um, and then again in Genesis three twenty-two, then the Lord God said, "Behold, the man has become like one of us." Plural knowing good and evil, and now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. And so again, it's this this idea of the divine conference. Um, you know, but this time here, obviously, it's in relation to the fact that, that Adam and Eve have sinned. Um, but nonetheless, um, he, he references himself in the plural. So there's some sense of plurality within the Godhead. So this next one, then, we could easily get ourselves in the weeds. So I'm going to try not to. But in Psalm 45, verses 6 and 7, uh, it's a messianic psalm. And it says this, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. 
a scepter of uprightness is a scepter of your kingdom. So we're talking about God here. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy above your fellows. So here, it's a very important psalm. Um, he's referencing in all the way back in verse 1, the king. And when you look at it, in verse 1 all the way down to verse 5, you would you could easily just say this is referencing a human king. But then all of a sudden in verse 6, we have this shift where all of a sudden he is saying God. So it's the same person that he's referring to in verses 1 through 5 as the king is now God. Yeah. And so we, we have a critical shift. We're clearly not dealing with just a human here. Um, and so it's your throne, O God is forever and ever. And then add to that, you go to verse 7, and we have this surprise. We have God, or the word there, Elohim, is being anointed by God, again, Elohim. So therefore, God, your God, has anointed you. And so what we have is a situation where God is calling someone else God, but this cannot be if there's only one God, unless... God is one, but at the same time, there's some some way he's plural. We're not yet defining what that means yet. But again, we're seeing that idea in the Old Testament that that God has revealed himself in the plural sense. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's good. Um, and then another passage is Isaiah 6, 8. Um, and, and it says this, it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, as Isaiah speaking, Here am I, send me. Um, now, this is a fascinating uh, verse because of something called the Hebrew parallelism. But also, do you realize that forevermore you will be relegated to always explaining Isaiah 6 because your first sermon <laughs> was on Isaiah 6? My second. Your second sermon? What was your, oh, your first was Ecclesiastes 12? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but still, yeah. it's yeah. yours. I mean, yeah. I feel like I would be an interloper if I tried to explain this, so... Oh. Yeah. I want you to wow us. Although now. I don't know if I, uh, I don't, I think I did one through seven either way. Oh, well um, then we're building off of your sermon. <laughs> okay. Um, so ne nevertheless, this verse is in a, it's a, a Hebrew parallelism, which means the second line or statement is related to the first. Um, and so here we have God asking, um, whom shall I send? So it's in the singular. Um, and then without even a, a blink or a breath, he says, and who will go for us, plural. And that's the parallelism. That's the parallel. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Yeah. And, and so it's, it's powerful. It really is because it's showing just this casualness in which God can speak about himself and speak in both the singular and plural. Um, and, and so there's no contradiction in his mind. Um, and so in some sense, there shouldn't be in ours either, even though it's a complex. But you know what? That's... <laughs> I was thinking almost those, that's not even in our script, but we both were thinking the same way is for us, we talk about the Trinity and we make it so hard and because it is hard and it's a mystery, but the Bible just treats it very casually. Yeah. It's just, this is who I am. And so he can shift from one to another yeah. with the grace of ease. And there is no explanation because he's not expecting you to understand it. It's just who he is. We're talking about his being. So yeah. I find it actually kind of freeing um, yeah. th that that we're not forced to understand the fullness of what's going on, but that we can grasp nonetheless that there's something going on where he is one and yet plural. Yeah, and then and then Paul picks that up and does the same thing, right? He can just talk about God in one yet three without explaining any of that, which makes it 
don't know, to your point that yeah. it's so, so casual and we can be casual with it as well. So those are some Old Testament. How about we jump to new? Yeah. And in fact, we're going to talk about some Paul's, but first we'll do Matthew. Uh, these are just two. Again, there's a lot of passages, a lot more than people realize in the New Testament to deal with this. And so I just cherry picked a few that people would be familiar with. So in Matthew 3, verses 16 and 17, this is the baptism of Jesus. And so it says, after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened and he... Jesus saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove, lighting on him, and behold, a voice out of the heavens said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So right there you have the Father speaking from heaven, identifying Jesus as his Son, and then the Spirit resting on Jesus. What's important in this one is that they're distinct, yeah. which is a, a away from that modalistic yeah. idea that God, it's, God's not up there quickly putting on three different hats. It's, it's three distinct personages uh, at the same time. And yet, and, and so that's something that we need to grasp. Yeah. Uh, another one is Matthew 28, 19, commonly referred to as the Great Commission. In fact, that's what Paul Washer preached on. Yeah, that's right. Um, it says that go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, what a lot of people miss on this is is that notice it's it's one name. It's yeah. a singular name. Baptize them in the name singular right. of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so so here the the idea of names not just merely an identity marker, but but it, that these these are people. Um, but that the people now through through baptism are identifying themselves as follower of this person or persons. Yeah, depending on how you want to say it, but yeah. there's only one name, not not the names of the Father, the Son, mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, and then we're going to go a little bit quicker here on these. Um, in John 15, 26, uh, Jesus says, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, and then he defines who the helper is. That is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness of me. And so we have the helper who's the spirit. We have the Father and we have, again, the Son. Yeah. And what's interesting is Christ refers to himself often. I'm the way, the truth. So here it's the spirit of the truth. It's the spirit Ooh. of Christ. Ooh. And so. Well done. Well, I make observations. As well. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my. <laughs> another one is Romans 1, 1 through 4. Um, now, this one I like, and I put it in here purposely because it's those throwaway verses that people, you know, they, they read the first few verses of right. an epistle and they, yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. Intro. And it's like, yeah, yeah. there's some good stuff in here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's amazing how think, many intros to the epistles are Trinitarian. I think I did, when I was preaching on Romans, I think I did five sermons on these. No. Yeah, my first one or two sermons was just on Paul. That's Paul, when they, yeah, was one word. <laughs> that, that's when they knew they were in for the long haul. Yeah, good old pacemakers. Might as well relax and go for this. I feel like that's what you did with Luke, though. What? <laughs> yeah, Luke. it is what I did. Stop right. Well, that, I think my terms was, I read it, I said, and I reread it, Paul. Let's just stop right there. <laughs> and off I went. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was fun times. Yeah. Good stuff. So Romans 1, 1 through 4, <laughs> uh, it reads this way. It says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, 
So notice he doesn't use Jesus Christ for the spirit, but references God speaking of the father, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy scriptures concerning his son, who was born of his descendant of David, according to the flesh, who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And again, that Lord even right there, oh, is, yeah. that's just picking up an Old Testament concept of, of God is Lord or Yahweh. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's just full of it right there of just showing how they're being treated as equal. And again, three distinct persons. And then another one is 2 Corinthians 13, 14, where he is uh, closing out that important epistle and he, he gives a blessing. And again, he treats them with equality, which is something really important to note. He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So a nice benediction, but invoking the fullness of the triune God. Yeah, Um, It's kind of cool. One thing I noticed about all these passages is, and since we already mentioned modalism and everything, is just each of these passages, each person is interacting with one another. And I just don't understand how that could be possible if it's, if it's the hat, you know. Yeah, the modalistic, theory. right. Um, it's a good point. And we'll get into the economic yeah. aspect of the Trinity, how they the do Sorry, interact guys. with. No, no, <laughs> we're not doing it for this podcast. But yeah, that's actually important is yeah. um, when we're talking about the ontological of their essential being, that's one thing. But then when we see how the Trinity work together, yeah. work together, again, there's no way this can be a modalistic like uh, T.D. Jake's. Right falsely claims. Does this have to do with your, is Jesus a schizophrenic? No, that was on the will of of God. That wasn't Jesus, it was God as whole, but yeah. Well, I could see him just... That was one of my other famous sermons. Okay. Not so famous. (laughs) So the idea though... Wisconsin famous. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Kenosha famous. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Temple Baptist Church. (laughs) (laughs) You're most likely correct. (laughs) Yeah. So, man, it's a big mosquito. Um, so, so the idea then is that there's a plurality. There's a clear plurality right. in both the Old and New Testament. And so this isn't something unique to even the, merely the Christian faith, um, meaning God didn't all of a sudden become three when Jesus showed up. Right. Um, right. So It starts all the way back at the very beginning, yes. in the beginning. So, so a good Jew will reject some of the things we said, but at the same time, it's our question would be, what are you going to do with some of these passages? And and honestly, in trying to make this a little bit more simple, I, I eliminated so many other passages. One's in Zechariah, but it, you had to actually walk through the entire chapter. Oh, and I'm like, okay, this is not going to work on a podcast, but it's there. It's, it's not like the Jew is reading and saying, I reject the Trinity because the Old Testament doesn't teach it, because it's over and over and over again, this the idea of God being plural and even clear indications of three um, within the Godhead. So yeah. it's there. But then we're gonna talk real quickly about uh, pet peeve of mine um, when we just talk. So in light of what we've done in these last couple of uh, podcasts, let's talk about the common analogies people like mm-hmm. to use for the Trinity, because it's a pet peeve. It should be a pet peeve for everybody. I think it should be. <laughs> yeah. But it's not. But then we yeah. treat theology too casually today. So whenever we try to talk about the Trinity, um, invariably you're going to flounder, right? It's just hard to describe them. 
Um, and so historically, there are attempts to use analogies to see the truth of the Trinity. So uh, one that I heard was he's like a tree, uh, the wood, leaves, and sap. Uh, oh. Another one. Yeah, so you got also water, so liquid, steam, and Clever. ice. Very oh, clever. Yeah, or egg. Oh, You've sure. got the shell, Gosh, the white, the and one. the yolk. Yeah. Or, or the shamrock. Mm-hmm. Which is, of course, three a leaf perfect clover. one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Except when it's a four-leaf. <laughs> um, yeah. Don't know what to do with that one. but that, um, The problem is, and there are serious, there's problems with every one of these, um, plus any other, frankly, that exists. Um, because when you use them, you end up teaching either three gods or modalism. Mm-hmm. You do. Um, you, there's yeah. no way around it. Because the egg shell is not the egg white, and the egg white is not the yolk. And so those are not the sum. Uh, The yolk is not the sum of the egg. Um, And yet when we're talking about Jesus as God, he is fully God. The fullness of God. Not part of God. Which is, and that's true for every member of the Trinity. Right, 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 right. And so when you break it into those parts, it doesn't work. And so... We would argue, and this has never been popular whenever I preached about this, um, it's our opinion that it's very unwise, that's a nice way of saying don't, or it's foolish, to attempt to use any created thing to describe God. Um, This is the whole point of not having any kind of a graven image. What image created can capture the sovereign God? You can't. And so nothing exists that can ever define God in any object. Um, and frankly, if you want to see a really fun video, um, you, you you can go to uh, YouTube and just search these three words, Lutheran, Satire, and Trinity. And there's this little cartoon um, that deals with the theology of uh, the Trinity. And very few places can you find theology and the person Voltron discussed together in one video. <laughs> and yet they do, and they do it wonderfully. It's a great statement about... Um, why you shouldn't use analogies. Yeah. So when we're talking about the Trinity, um, what we're talking about is God's essential nature. Um, that is to say, that which makes God God, his yeah. very essence yeah. or being, if you will. Um, and as a result, we need to be very careful when we're doing that. And let's just read a couple of passages that sure. show us why. So Exodus fifteen eleven. Uh, who is like thee among the gods, O Lord, who is like thee, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders. So right away, the question is, who is like you? Um, so again, in Psalm seventy-one nineteen, for thy righteousness, O God, reaches to the heaven. Thou who hast done great things, O God, who is like thee? Um, again, the question is, there is nothing or no one who is like him. Yeah, incomparable. Uh, Psalm 100. You say incomparable? incomparable. I say incomparable. I guess that's a choice. Psalm 113, <laughs> verses 1 through 6. Just pra- saying. <laughs> praise, praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forever. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory is above the heavens, and who is like the Lord our God, who is enthroned on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. That one always blows my mind. He has to humble himself 
just to cast his eyes upon creation. On creation, yep. Yeah. And and on the other side, just above it, it says his glory is above the heavens. So the moment that his glory is above the heavens and then you try to describe mm. the glory of the Trinity in a created thing, you've literally taken him from his rightful place, which is above all of that, yeah. and tried to find him within his creation. And the only thing that reveals God fully to us is Christ himself in his incarnation. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the, the whole point is behind all these passages, there is nothing and no one like God. And so why try to find something that is like him? And in the background, you can hear not gunshots. As I say, those aren't gunshots. Those yeah, are this is Kenosha. Fun. July 3rd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Breaking the law. <laughs> yeah. So back to the point, though. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I, it's all my fault. Quit laughing. Um, so my question would be to a person who says, well, I still don't see anything wrong with it. Well, I would s- say this to them is, what have you really achieved in the discussion of the Trinity by saying that he the Trinity is sort of like the three-leaf clover or water. All you really do is bring the mind from a glorious mystery yeah. to something that's created. And and anyone who then says, oh, I, I see now, actually they don't. Um, I think it's a lot wiser to give, and you give far greater glory to God by declaring the truth of the Trinity. And then all you can say is what the psalmist says, who is like thee, O God? That's a lot better than saying that the sovereign God is like an egg. Yeah, yeah. no kidding. Yeah. So, so these are just some some introductory thoughts on a massive doctrine. Um, it's not what we would say a negotiable doctrine. It's dogma. Um, it's literally the difference between blasphemy and heresy or orthodoxy or mm-hmm. right, proper understanding of and, God. And yet today... Um, you, you have a lot of people who just simply would disagree with you that, look, it's not a big deal. And I'm like, you understand the battle um, the early church had to go through on this whole issue. People were dying. A lot of blood spilled. Yeah. So very, very important. So from there, we're going to do uh, some more podcasts on this. And what we want to do is talk about both the Son and the Spirit and what the Scriptures say about them, because what we're going to show is that the scriptures clearly show the Son and the Spirit both to be divine. And so if we're going to believe in one God and the Spirit is God and the Son is God and the Father is God, then we've got to figure out what that means. And that's where the doctrine of the Trinity really starts to take its form. Mm -hmm.